0: Two Sons of Tatooine, if there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. I'm your host, Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Jonathan Gohm. We are joined also by our regular... Book correspondent, oh wait, he's not joining us this week. You were supposed to call him Jonathan, who we talk about books with. We're recording now, wait a minute. It looks like friend of the promcast Trit is here. <laughs> Jonathan's. You, you really knocked this intro out of the park today, by the way. Okay, <laughs> on today's episode, we will be discussing <clears throat> Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad, a novel by Christy Golden. It was released in July of 2017. Uh, we have lots to cover today. Specifically, we have some great background information to provide you, but we have a brief bit of news to cover first. And for that, I'll hand it off to Jonathan. What is our book news?
2: Well, um, uh, first of all, I'm really excited to talk about uh, mm. this, uh, this book. It was a lot of fun to read, but the bit, bit of book news that we have for today um, as you're getting this it's, This is now a couple weeks old But it's still kind of fresh In the overall fandom Is that um, We had the release Of the first couple books In wave two Of the the High Republic uh, This is uh, The First the, bit, the main one Being The Rising Storm By Kevin Scott The second book Being Race to Crash Point Tower Which is a middle grade book So it's like a Really, really short book um, Essentially a novella By uh, Daniel Jose Older and uh, both books, the big news, as we're recording this, literally is two hours old. But it's going to be you know a week old for you guys. But the, as we're recording this, it just hit, both of them, uh, the New York Times list. Kevin Scott's book hit number nine. And the other book, uh, Race to Crash Point Tower, reached number four on the middle grade, which is a, very, a different list. And the reason this is big news is... Most series have a much bigger drop between the first book and the second book especially when mm-hmm. it's not a direct trilogy or something. Trilogies do really tight for Star Wars on the list, they do within a couple of them, but if you're just doing an ongoing series, like talking New Jedi Order, talking um uh the, you know, Legacy of the Force. Those series, there was huge discrepancies. You know, one that one might be on the list, one might be off the list, come back on the list type of thing. So the fact that they're doing this well, every single book so far has hit, is really good for for Star Wars. In fact, we also got the news that Light of the Jedi became, last month, the number one most sold Star Wars book in the UK, which is actually pretty shocking. So sales for Star Wars books are doing great right now. Um, uh, And uh, so you had said, uh, uh, Trent, that some friends of yours from work have been recommending The High Republic?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they said that it's really good so far. That One of them in particular uh, said that he's pretty... Like I think he's read everything. He said you just need to read everything they're doing. Mm. like Even if the stuff for adults and kids oh, and everything. Oh, yeah,
2: I would, I would agree with that. I would say the adult stuff is much better than the kids' stuff. The kids' stuff is much lower on the, the totem pole. But the adult stuff, the two adult novels that have come out, I would say are the two best adult novels we've gotten in Star Wars. They're that good. Wow,
0: that's high praise. So... Moving on,
2: um, uh, we uh, have—today's topic is Inferno Squad, and to start things off, I want to see, Nathan, what were your overall thoughts on Inferno Squad? Okay.
1: Yeah, the book has a great hook um, with a character that, having played the game already, um, Battlefront II, character that I'm familiar with, and I think at this point in time, Mm -hmm. the game had been released— correct?
2: Oh No, the game had not been released. Uh, I'll get into that was in this a second. But this okay. Was this before? This was about f- uh, three or four months before the game was released.
1: Okay. Well, I like, I like that better. Um, the game, all of the story and campaign would have been, for me, more enjoyable had I read the book mm-hmm. prior to playing that. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> anyway, great hook, and I like the characters, uh, especially the characters knowing where a character ends up is good and bad in that one we know th- things can't happen to them but yeah. good and that you know where they're going to end up so you get to appreciate their journey um mm-hmm. so there's there's trade-offs i think you know i think they did a good job because i did not know the character of sin um and so <laughs> sin's character um i had some i had some questions i was like I was tempted to go into the trusty old Wikipedia no. and look her up. No, that, but is, I the resisted. that I resist- is the cardinal sin. That is the cardinal sin
2: during books. Do not look at Wikipedia when you're reading a book. That is
1: mm. True. So I yeah, I resisted. Um <laughs> I thought there were some middle parts of the book that were um a little bit like fan fictiony like um you know, you've got oh, now we have to go do this quest. Um and I think there were some trade-offs that they made, but uh, let me just say this. They paid off everything that they introduced, but some of the things were weird. Uh, The crystal caves that, like, drag away dead bodies, that reveal was weird. It was strange. Uh, Some of the action scenes were cluttered and not very clear to understand. Um, So that's some of my critiques. But I think there was strong work with characters, I think there was strong work with emotion. I think dialogue was pretty good. Um, I just think it was weaker in terms of the action stuff, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't near as like not <laughs> not near as like ingenious and you know strategic as like a Timothy Zahn novel. But um, anyway, oh yeah. Overall, I enjoyed and uh, would 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 probably read it if there was a sequel. I would read another one Ooh, uh, that's, by Christy golden.
2: Uh, that, that that is good that is good news to hear um, uh, the the I would agree with you on the action stuff and and we'll get there in more in depth um, and I agree with you on character. Uh, what would you say? what was your overall thoughts on this Trent?
0: So uh, just so everybody's aware I am uh, th- this is my first Star Wars book Yay! officially first full Star Wars book. So wow. I'm new to the book stuff. Yeah, so um, Nathan, it's interesting. You mentioned Timothy Zahn, which I've heard his name, and I've mm-hmm. heard a lot of what he's talked about or what he's written about. Um, a lot of fans love his stuff. But I don't have that same high standard of Timothy Zahn, so to speak. So, <laughs> Well, um, he wrote
1: Thrawn, the trilogy, as right. you know, the original before, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the recent Thrawn trilogy. And I would say both are... You know, massively loved by fans. So yeah, we're talking about one of the greats. And yeah, yeah so
0: I, I don't, I don't have it's that. It's not a that fair comparison. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I will say I did play the game when it came out, and so I went into it similar to Nathan, where I had already knew where the story was mm-hmm. going. Um, which I have a little bit more on that after I give you know some book review <laughs> stuff. But I will say, as my first Star Wars book, I, I loved it. I, you know, maybe there's something wrong with me because I always have to find problems with everything. So I do have a few things that. I had an of issue course. with, but they're 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 minor. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was a fun ride, and it was really cool to be introduced more in depth to some of these characters. So. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, uh, to kick things off, I will provide some background for the book. Obviously, we talked about how the book released in July of 2017. To uh, so put your your mind in the right frame, Rogue One's been out for a few months. Um, uh we are the Last Jedi has, has not, not come out has yet. not come out. Has so not come out has not come out, so the fandom was in so a very different place. um so
1: that was a that was what we call the golden age of Star Wars YouTube, where every other video was a who's Ray's parents? She's a yeah. Kenobi <laughs> Yeah <laughs> and who is Snoke really and you there know were, it was there fun. Were theories. It was
2: there were theories when this book came out that this book was gonna have ties to The Last Jedi to Ray's parentage. Mm-hmm. And yep. it was a bit even I who loves those types of things. I was like, you guys are going a bit too far with this. But that's the bit of a set the stage. <laughs> um, uh, some other information is that this book debuted for one week on the New York Times list at number 13, which is just barely. They they only have the top 15 on there. So just barely made it. And then it was off the next week, which is understandable. That's very frequent with the even the top tier Star Wars books, um, but s- still really good. Um, and, uh, it was released around a time that in, tw- in 14 months, Christy Golden wrote four Italian books. She wrote a, uh, w- World of Warcraft book, a f- full length novel. She wrote the novelization to that Valerian in the planet of a thousand cities or city of a thousand planets, whatever that mo- weird movie was called. She did the novelization for it. She did this book <laughs> and she did one other book that I don't remember off the top of my head. And <laughs> she won... The Scribe Award, which is the biggest tie-in award you can get, for the Faust Award, which is basically um, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, they give one at, wow. only one out every year, and she got it for tie-in because she's done over 50 tie-in books. Her whole career has been tie-in. Wow. Whereas Timothy Zahn, he's done 50 books only about 25 of them have been tied in. So he's only done about half. Well, the other half is original. Wow. So she's devoted her life to this. And right after this book came out, she was hired by Blizzard to be one of their new writers for their World of Warcraft games because they liked her books so much. <laughs> um, her, From what I've heard... Because
1: that is all Blizzard ever does is World of Warcraft.
2: <laughs> no, but that's what she was ke- hired for. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I've heard that her... Book writing is better than her game writing, but that's a different story. <laughs> but going into this book, the opening, Nathan, I wonder if you felt this too. The opening of this book to me, it felt like a Fakpov story. It felt like a, from a certain point of view with the Death Star and with her getting her perspective, seeing the whole thing blow yeah. up. That's what I felt.
1: Well, how many? Uh, so in in that book, um, the Fakpov trend is from a certain point of view individual chapters that follow and i think there was about three maybe four of them when we reviewed it that all centered we got a chapter that was a um just perspective of biggs mm-hmm. on the attack of the deck star a chapter that was just the perspective of one of the mechanics who was like a uh he re- she worked on tie fighters and she knew all this stuff um we got at least another chapter on a on a different pilot oh right? we got
2: several on the pilots we got at least so, three, or four
1: so clearly like the battle it's like we're uh, there's only like a certain number of pilots anyway i don't know how many more like individual looks at this fight we can get but aiden was one of the she was one of the ties and definitely was like i was i was there reading it in the same light as as that and that's one of the the things that i loved is the jumping off point gets you in it's a thing that every star wars fan already like connects to um i thought it was also neat that it at least references her escape like mm-hmm. once she's down on yavin and uh then you know there's some character that we get even in that because she's like i should have you know i should have attacked the base you know yeah. instead of like stealing a ship and just getting out of there and they're like trust me it was a big deal that you managed to steal a ship and get out there of all, at all <laughs> um but uh yeah she's like no i should have gone there just killed all those rebels um <clears throat> I thought I thought the similarity was there yeah. yeah. Did you immediately get that Jonathan? Oh that absolutely
2: that's what I was thinking when <laughs> I was I was reading it. Um uh I was like yeah and it's funny cuz she did write one of the stories from from a certain point of view not in that oh, which, s- not in that which, section. She was which in the very one? she was in the very first section. You know, she talks oh, about one of the stormtroopers. I didn't actually read those. Yeah yeah. Um the first section is the or best section. I did, section. but not
1: finished. I might it yeah. wasn't on the episode that yeah. did it.
2: So. Anyway, uh when
1: you and Mike recorded. Mm-hmm.
2: So the uh uh that that opening I thought was interesting. Uh then we yep. are introduced to the Dadmiral. uh Admiral Versio. Dadmiral. <laughs> I did not coin that. Oh, that's clever. But uh, I I really like it. Um uh, yeah, and we that's get great. uh Gideon. Now Trent, when we are introduced to Gideon, he's shown as a very mm. close friend of Iden Did you immediately think about his betrayal in the game when you were reading it?
0: Absolutely. Yes. Mm.
2: And that's the that's the problem with reading yeah. the book after you've played the game because mm-hmm. they're very particular. If they release a book before something, like if they release a tie-in before the mm-hmm. movie or show or, tea or whatever, they want you to read it beforehand because it has stuff that connects that way. If they release the book after the, the, the something, for instance, um, uh, Rebel Rising came out, is all mm-hmm. about Jin Erso. It came out after Rogue One because they didn't want people reading it before Rogue One because it would give stuff away and stuff. So yeah. mm. this book was meant to originally be read beforehand, but still works. But we're introduced to uh, to Gideon and uh, to the this other. This
1: book doesn't give anything away. It doesn't I wouldn't say it
2: doesn't, but it kind of it doesn't. You don't get the surprises as much in this if, book. Mm-hmm.
1: If you told me and and me and trent are sitting there like okay so we just finished the book and then you tell us in battlefront 2 like oh by the way um some of these characters are going to affect the rebels me and trent would immediately go well what? del mico for sure yeah.
2: <laughs> no but i <laughs> and mean then we would go <laughs> i should rephrase it the playing the show or while playing the game spoils the book in some ways yeah not yeah, in, not so much in specific but if you got detail, us out of order yeah, yeah. And not so much in specific detail, but in general concepts um, uh, mm-hmm. that we'll get to. Uh, what did you think of you know, the opening, Trent, where uh, they're they're all recruited to help the Empire, and then she's kind of like, she has to work extra hard with her dad? Uh, what were yeah. your impressions of that scene? I,
0: I, I appreciate that a lot. And I also want to, to mention that I started reading the book physically, and then I got the audio book. <sighs> so I actually, I experienced the beginning of the book twice. Yeah. Uh, which was great. It was, it was a good experience. Um, I've, I found myself loving the, the reading. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. I couldn't find the time to like actually sit down and consume it. So I, <laughs> doing the audiobook helped because I could. I could exercise and listen to the book. I could you know play video games and listen to the book. Uh, so that was really nice. Um, but th- just that intro, even after the Death Star explosion stuff and then the forming of the team, um, it didn't feel camp at all. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes those camp. It feels kind of campy, where it's like. Oceans Eleven, yeah. mm-hmm. but you know whatever. <laughs> it didn't feel that way. Uh, it it was kind of cool, and it, it, they even kind of poked fun at like this feels like an academy assignment. We're all <laughs> writing a paper, exactly. and uh, specifically, there were certain details that I really that stood out to me that I still think about. Uh, like the when she said that her dad was like very calculated in everything he did, even. Mm-hmm. The bottle of Aldar, Alderanian yep. wine. Mm-hmm. I love that detail. It was great, and mm-hmm. you know, she was like, "He put it in one room on the off chance that someone would find it, and there would be a shared camaraderie, but also, you know, some people may get a little bit too into yeah. it. He wants to so, see which people I, are, I gonna, are gonna,
2: you know, uh, not pay pay attention to the surroundings. It reminded me mm-hmm. of the story of Gideon, where basically uh, they have all the people go out to to drink the water. And the people who are, you know, lapping it, like or lapping it, are sent away from the army. They're, they're not good. But the people who cup you it. You don't
0: mean Gideon Hask. You mean Gideon in the sorry, scripture. Sorry. Sorry. Right, yes. I
2: meant, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't specify that. Darn it. That's, no wonder this has that connection. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyway, in the Bible. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gideon, uh, not not the tuba warrior, but, you know, God's uh, God's prophet. He's um, uh, he's leading an army and uh, there's good. (laughs) What makes that joke especially good is that not only was I a tuba player, but Nathan would have the elementary students watch that when he would go away. I'd, uh, oh, yeah, yeah whenever I had, like,
1: a conference yeah.
2: or something. <laughs> anyway, um, going on lots of tangents. The uh, in, in the story of Gideon, in the Bible, the people mm-hmm. who lap the water get sent away from the army. But the people who cup it, they, they stay because they were paying attention to their surroundings. And so they're yep. the ones that, you know, are worthy of staying. And that's kind of like this. The one... Iden's the one who notices. Hey, I shouldn't be drinking this or or much of this because mm-hmm. I need to stay alert. And she's the one that turns in the best report. As a result, so
0: which and she has a little bit of an advantage. Well, you could argue she has an advantage knowing how cunning her father yeah. is. But also, if you were a, an elite officer mm-hmm. in the in, in the Empire, you should also be aware that everyone's cunning yeah, like that. You know, exactly. it's not and it shouldn't be a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and and mm-hmm. if anything, you could also argue the opposite that. He would be harder on his daughter, oh, absolutely. just the daughter, just just so that he wouldn't seem as having favoritism. Mm-hmm.
2: I can I can absolutely attest to this. When I was in school, any time I had to do something that had to go to my dad's desk, it was I had to work extra hard because he yeah. made it even harder. And we had several times where I would specifically not get something, like not get a an award or something, because you know the impropriety, the look of that, and we were afraid mm-hmm. you know it would something would look bad. Because um, his dad was the boss. Yes, my dad Truth. was the, the boss at the school. Um, but, Nathan, <laughs> you uh, did the audiobook, am I right? Yeah, I did. So, I don't know if you guys noticed, you probably did, but the audiobook is done by Janina Gavankar, who played Aiden in the um, game. And what's fun, fun about this was...
1: This was Iden's not... Iden's g- voice sounded perfect. You exactly. Know? <laughs> that's well, that's true.
2: But <laughs> this was an example. Not that the studio... The, the, Lucasfilm did not approach um, uh, Janina. Janina approached Lucasfilm. She said, Hey, I love playing this character. Are there any books or anything about the character? She just wanted to read them. And then... They said, yeah, we're doing this Inferno Squad book. Why don't you read it? And so they initially just gave it to her to read, and she had so much fun reading it. She said, do you have an audiobook narrator yet? And they said, no. And she said, why not do me? And they were like, perfect. We will absolutely do that. And so they got her to do the audiobook. Um, uh, and she personally called Christy Golden, and they got to talk back and forth about it. And oh, so wow. like that's just, to me, that's just really cool. It shows the fandom Interacting yeah. with the actors, and I'm like, that is an actor. Like, I want to see Janina Gavankar in a in in Star Wars movie or TV show just because mm-hmm. I like her enthusiasm from that.
0: We, we've talked about this before. Uh, we've talked because me and you have been, been yeah. back and forth about like I, I made this statement about how I enjoy the people who don't mm-hmm. like Star Wars in yeah, the Star yeah, Wars universe, yeah, mm-hmm. specifically Han Solo, Alec yeah. Guinness, uh, and I've changed my tune mm-hmm. on that uh, after talking with a, a good friend of mine. Um, we talked about how specifically with Harrison Ford and Alec Guinness, it was, it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> it was the seventies, it was the eighties and sci-fi was not cool. Um, and now, now, even if you don't like it, you're still professional and you still show up and do your lines or whatever, but it is cool. And I, and I will, I will say that I have changed my opinion on this. <laughs> this book, this book has been a big part, big part of that. Yay. It is really cool mm-hmm. to see talented people invested in something that, you know, is very near and dear to my heart. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, them read the book and be involved in the game and be excited. And I, I have no doubt if they called her to do something in live action, she would be there. Oh, for the sure. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. They, Which Mandalorian time would be a good time for something to happen and her to play the role.
0: Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah you're right. I don't know if she would be as an actor, but. Um,
0: or even the age-up scenes from the video game, if they, like, they do something near that time. True. You know? Yeah. Right. And her. what's funny is that um, she yeah.
2: looks just like the character in real life. Oh, she does? Okay, is that's part- she, like Well, part of it was they based the character off of her did they looks. Mo- yeah, they, but, did, like, motion they did motion capture. But like even like the coloring of the skin tones and the hair design, like it's it's 100% her. And they didn't even age her up or down. It's or just her, so it'd be super simple. And she, yeah. has
1: an, she has a normal hairstyle. I remember when we reviewed that yeah. game that there was some other Imperial officers... And this is post, you know, Death Star Two destroyed. Hang on, Uh, some of their
2: hairstyles was a little. That was Squadrons. I thought that were more. That was more like. Was it? No, yeah this this book didn't really have that. You're right. You're right. You're right.
0: Well, this and that plays into her character as well. Like, there's there's a lot of things that are just. It's interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously she has a similar uh, appearance to her father. You know, like Mm -hmm. they have similar looks, but. She's She is very bog standard, like, I'm going to have my hair very militaristic, yeah. like, uh, nothing fancy, just a tight bun that fits into a stormtrooper helmet or, you know, whatever serves the purpose of her, of her piloting skills. So she's very pragmatic in her appearance. Absolutely.
1: So I'll just add about that scene we were talking about. This book is taking a look at, like, the imperial side of, of war soldiers. What's it like for the camaraderie? And there's a, there's a certain hesitation you feel with every character of trust um i'm thinking the empire has been what is this 20 it's in its 20th year 20 between 20 and 25 years at this point yeah the culture is super strong Mm -hmm. and they've done a really great job establishing that and of course everybody at this generation these are second and third generation people within the imperial forces so they've fully you know they've embraced what that culture is and what you, you really get a feel of in this book is just you know the loyalty of, and camaraderie uh, between elite elite you know troops who are never you know in the in the slightest compromising the professionalism of their mission and the dedication is for life. The dedication is completely. I mean, it's it, like I said, it's for life. It's it's to the death is what their mm-hmm. what their goal is. There's never any any doubt. And seeing that from the imperial perspective. And uh, maybe not something that a lot of just casual Star fans have done, but Star Wars fans, I think it was really nice to do that. Really explored exploring that was fun. Played up the strengths of this of this uh, book in, as a whole. Even like some of the mind games that you would ask by this um, this basically this toast mm-hmm. with the Alderaan wine. The mind games. They they take you know, Christy Golden she takes a, a second to explore each character's reaction. Yeah, and even by the toast you get a different sense of like, yes they want to but they they're competing but they want to impress but they, um, it's it's totally opposite of what I would sense from the rebels. We were who were you know much more like, I mean it's it's disorganized. It's you know we'll take what we can get. It's you know, I mean it's it's a totally different thing. I liked that a lot. They played it to all the strengths, and
0: yeah, uh, you were yeah. Well, even the ju- even the juxtaposition with the specific rebels that are in the book. I mean, it's not even just normal rebels like Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with people that are. I mean, it's not even a it's not even a stretch of the imagination to con- consider them a terrorist uh, cell. Mm. So, I mean, Who the juxtaposition, are, their
1: dedication, to- clearly just as high. Um, yeah,
0: totally. I mean, especially to the to the, the, death. the
1: dreamers. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So um, I thought that was I thought that was a great comparison. So that's a really good point. And
1: despite how
2: terroristic some of their actions are in this book, this is not the darkest we've seen the dreamers. In uh, specifically back when they were called his partisans before the events of Rogue One, they did some messed up stuff. Like if if we're talking real universe, I would think twice about joining the
0: rebels after seeing
2: what <laughs> Saw does sometimes. Well, he is
0: and isn't isn't Saul, wasn't he like so, sort of semi-trained by Anakin himself? Oh yeah,
2: in, in, in the, the Clone the, Wars, um, uh, the, he was kind of trained for, he was he was already a good soldier, but his tactics, uh, Anakin no. taught him specifically the guerrilla tactics that mm. he ends up using against Vader, so it's kind of poetic justice.
0: It is poetic, <clears> that they're both <throat> so dark yeah. in their approach, I mean obviously Anakin's Transition to Vader <laughs> happens uh, with a lot of slaughtering of innocence, yeah. <laughs> and Guerrera is not above that. Oh, absolutely! And, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I, poetic justice. That's a great. That's a great way to describe it's it. It's
2: like poetry. It rhymes. Um, <laughs> it rhymes. It, it. Uh, every episode, Lucas, Lucas exactly. <laughs> um, uh, you were talking about the culture, Nathan, and one thing that I really liked that they included was how um, Iden's mom uh, was a part of propaganda. Um, uh, and I thought that was very interesting cause you don't really read about that often in books like this or even in the movies and shows like in, in a bad batch, we're seeing propaganda at use, but we don't really see the people who make the propaganda as much them coming up with how does the image work? How does the, uh, uh, uh why do they design something in such a way? And they didn't go too in depth. But they at least acknowledged it and said, hey, that's like her whole life is making the propaganda stuff and the artwork. And I was like that. Mm-hmm. I found that really fascinating. Did you?
1: Well, her character, it's just being there at all was probably the setup for the biggest payoff. Yeah. I think personally, that to me was one of the when I read that the payoff line with what happens with her character and the implications with Dadmiral and, mm-hmm. of course, with Aiden. <laughs> um it takes me away with the dad and joke. But
0: <laughs> Go that was, that's, so, that's so new to me. I know you guys, you, you, you don't claim it to be your original yourself, yeah. yourselves but it's so <laughs> hilarious to me. I'm sorry. It gets me every time. Dad, what is it?
1: Garrick? Is that his Garic, name? Garrick. Yes,
0: Garrick Versio.
1: So we can call him Garrick then. Um, Admiral no, 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 Garrick.
0: Dad da good
1: too. <laughs> I'll, I'll I will that. say
2: one major problem I have, and this isn't much with Christy Golden. This is with Lucasfilm in general. The characters of the Versios are the most powerful people from the planet Vardos. Very Absolutely. close wording. And to me, I was just like, ah. I was just, like, the, the, the wording, it seemed too obvious that the Versios would be from Vardos. Like, I love alliteration, but it just seemed a little bit... Oh, it, yeah. it, to me, it seemed a little bit, like, too cheesy out of universe. But, again... Boom.
1: V for Vendetta there. With yeah.
0: Okay, uh, this, this, thought, this thought did cross my mind, because that's always, you know, when you're trying to criticize something, you're always mm-hmm. looking at little, even little things like the yeah. alliteration there, Vardos, Versio, and it crossed my mind, but then I thought, you know what, that's one of those things that might just be stranger than fiction, and so it kind of gives it a weird pass for yeah. me, because it doesn't happen a lot, you know, like if the Corvus began with a V... And the squad's you're name right. was Vin- yeah. Vinferno Squad. Vinferno. If she did it too much, it'd be, <laughs> yeah. I don't, if she did it too much, then it would be like annoying. Yeah. But just once, it was like
1: okay. That's, if, that's, if it was Viden... Yeah, yeah, right.
0: yeah, Viden Biden <laughs> Versio.
2: This she's not. She's uh, g- the team there is not as bad as uh, J.K. Rowling, who makes every other character alliterative. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that, that, that did rub off of me a little bit, but you know, it, it was okay. I thought, um, uh, one thing I, uh, I thought we'd go to next was, you know, they have their, their first initial mission where they have oh. a, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember this right. They have a Senator who they think is stealing information. Am I remembering that right?
0: Uh, yes. Is this the, the, um, the wedding, wedding thing. The wedding, yeah. right? Yeah, yes. they have to go to the mm-hmm.
2: wedding, and um, uh, I don't because it's been so long. I have to apologize. I don't, I don't, I don't remember <clears throat> much. But the only thing I wrote down while I was reading the book was that it was a fun little, you know, uh, little, little, little caper. caper to it, it got you used to the types of things like sin. You were introduced to her languages and her, you know, ability to retain information, which is very common in the Star Wars literature. There's a lot of characters who have that kind of um, memory. Uh, and then, uh, you also see, you know, Gideon, who's, you know, all, wants to go in guns a blazing all the time. And you have Aiden, who's planning everything out, and Del Mico, who's always ready to save them and stuff. And I thought that was a good little way to set it up, but that was like, only like one or two chapters. It was really short. And, the bulk of the book has to do with them infiltrating the dreamers, which involves them mm-hmm. slandering their own name with the empire. I thought that was the best mm. written part was them having to deal with, you know, they appear to be rebels, but to them, that's the highest insult they could have. And yet they have to live with mm. it because they're going undercover.
0: Did, did, yeah. Even, even you? with Aiden and her, and her mother, yeah. you know, yeah, obviously the there's a, uh, I know Nathan kind of alluded to this a second ago, and I won't steal your thunder. But the the internal conflict and external conflict with Aiden and her mother being like, how can you be a traitorous, you know, mm-hmm. rebel when our family is such a like just a pillar of the Empire on this particular sector, you know, with uh, Vardos and the propaganda and your and, and Dad mm-hmm. So, like, it's uh, that that is a. Uh, that was a really impactful scene. Um, there there was one in particular when she's on Vardos in, in her imprisonment or her, her quote unquote fake imprisonment <laughs> for for her slanderous things. Um, and she's trying to hold back the tears because that was a real moment, even mm-hmm. though everything else is a facade. Mm-hmm. That was a real moment uh, for her. And I thought that was very impactful. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, her dad's like, you can't tell mom because she's not classified to know. Um, mm
0: mm-hmm. Sure and if I'm not mistaken, oh sorry, go ahead.
1: No, say sure is difficult in that regard and becomes a big a big part of of you know plot point later on um is her not being able to tell her mom and so thinking her mom never knows that she mm-hmm. was really loyal and that disappointment you can feel from your parents has got to be like oh, yeah. a huge weight.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a gut punch. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if they ever used the word divorce, but they alluded to the Oh fact no, no, that they the say verse- it.
2: yeah. Oh, oh they do. Okay. They're divorced. Okay. oh For sure. Uh, They may have used the word estranged or something like that, Um, which is Mm -hmm. at the point that this book was coming out. That was not common in Star Wars literature. It was very, very rare to see divorce in Star Wars, especially in the Mm -hmm. EU. In the canon, it's more common because it's more common in culture. But it was Mm -hmm. I remember reading that. And it rubbing me the wrong way because I don't like reading about divorce and storytelling. I just, I'm like, I want it to be more happy. But then again, this is not a yeah. this is not a happy book. Um, no. uh, I'll be honest, <laughs> none of Christy yeah. Golden's books, I've read her Star Trek books, I've read her Star Wars, none of her books are happy. They're all sad. <laughs> um, hmm. uh, they're all very dark. Uh, but we have that big uh, overarching scene where they're, she gets uh, captured, quote, captured, and taken to... Um, uh, the dreamer camp is introduced to all the dreamers. Um, we'll talk about the dreamers in a second, but did, I, I thought it was kind of funny how insulted she is that the guy pats her down to try to find her weapon. It was like,
0: yes. Okay. That was one of my questions. (laughs) I was like, what is up with this whole, don't you search me while I'm unconscious? And it's like, seriously,
2: (laughs) I I feel like it was kind of feigned, like a little bit, like she was putting on a show to To like, she's cares to show she cares about her personal freedoms more.
0: Maybe something like that, but it did
2: mm-hmm. rub me the wrong way too.
0: I was just like, "Man, you, uh, as somebody who is, um, has has employed and will soon employ some pretty dirty tactics, I'm, I'm surprised that you're not <laughs> offended by." <it>. Exactly, <laughs> and maybe that's just one of those things where, like, the writing is so good, it's hard to tell where Iden's acting comes into yeah. play versus. So, you know, like the, every every good lie has some truth in it. You know, we hear that several times in the book. So, <clears throat> mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah. we have uh, we are introduced to Staven and to the mentor. Now, Nathan, mm. you didn't know who the mentor was, obviously. Um, but what were your first thoughts when, when you were introduced to the two characters and how did that change as the book changed?
1: Yeah, Staven as a leader was never the type of character that you'd imagine leading this group mm-hmm. in that he does not have all the power. Yeah. And it's written that way because obviously later on we reveal that the, um, the mentor himself was providing him with information and yeah. Intel. And that's why he's being kept around. Um, so Steven uh, from the beginning, you get a sense that there's a split and not a quite amount of trust in the partisans either. So the dreamers or partisans or whoever they are, um, which the same thing, right? We can just call them the the dreamers. the dreamers
2: are like the partisans exist up until the death of sagarera and then the dreamers okay, yeah, split okay. off after that.
1: Right.
0: They they definitely of, uh, the, they what they remind I, me of the like the the Mandalorians how they like they fracture yeah continually. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's anyway. So go ahead, sorry, go
1: ahead. Yeah, no, that's good. I I think I think Staven was was fine, but. You look at the dynamic and all of them there, you know, there's really no ranking system. There's just, I trust them or I don't trust them. Mm -hmm. And then everybody kind of goes to either the mentor or Staven, but the mentor and Staven don't seem like they're ever on the best of terms. Mm -hmm. Um, You go to Staven if you're, like, you know, needing one thing, and you go to the mentor if you need, like, counseling and advice. Yes. Um, But it's just it just makes up for an a, a dynamic that you feel is destined to fall apart or yeah. not work in the end because mm-hmm. there's there's distrust from everybody um you just you have to earn your right and then even then it's it's shown that we have traitors in there and so even though they they kind of trusted you to that point you you feel like you've gained some trust and then you fall back and then you're back into the realms of oh we don't trust her especially Aiden yeah. mm-hmm. but Um, The others as well um, at different times. And
2: naturally, they have to be distrustful because at any point the Empire could bring in a plant or something, um, uh, which the Empire does in this book. So it's like very understandable that they'd be distrusting of their own people. But it's not when you have a whole organization whose whole basis is distrust. It, 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 it doesn't work out in the long run, as you said, um, especially when the top two leaders, you know, they could have been a good cop, bad cop. But instead, it's like it, um, uh, it's it's the equation I'll make is when America was first founded, the number one spot in, for the presidency when, when became president and the person who got second place was vice president. Oftentimes they were polar opposites like uh, Adams and uh, Jefferson And so as a result, Mm. they did not very well do well because Jefferson didn't have that much power as vice president. But what little power he had, he was undermining Adams at every turn. And so it was very hard for either of them to accomplish much. And I feel the same way here is the mentor as we learn who he is later is very much like a traditional rebel like he that's what he wants is he he would almost mm-hmm. be prefer uh, he would have worked really well working with mon mothma i think they would have gotten along well yeah um and i still yeah. think there's potential for them to actually. or meet. ahsoka or us
1: too soon man <laughs> uh, actually he might have even he might have even really enjoyed that well,
0: okay. So that brings up a good point. First, I do want to clarify. I do want to say this, Jonathan. You are you are speaking my love language when you talk about uh, po- politics, especially yeah. the founding fathers, mm-hmm. um, and even <laughs> specifically the. I, I've always loved the idea of the president and the vice president being from separate parties. I have loved that. I think the tension creates a beautiful note in politics. I won't dive down that <laughs> hole. I will. I will. I will stay focused on Star Wars. Um, but you bring up a good point about. Uh, Nathan, you bring up a good point about Lux and his um Oops, sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. ahead. To <laughs> I was gonna say, but yeah. <laughs> the mentor. Yeah. There it is. If you're um, listening
1: to this, beware. <laughs> we shall <laughs> now delve into the spoilers.
2: Yeah, we've we've already kind of been spoiling, but yeah, the Lux Fontaine.
0: <clears throat> yeah, so it's it's Lux, which I did break the Cardinal Sin, which didn't do me any good. <laughs> I read the Wikipedia about Lux <laughs> during the book reading, and I don't know who he was because I didn't watch the Clone Wars that closely. Um so, did you I, Because at least I, go
1: back and watch some clips of him.
0: I, I, I watched some clips and it just made me more confused based on this writing and who is who his daughter, who his granddaughter yes. is, who is yes. whatever. It's just I'm so confused by the back and forth on it. I don't actually I don't even know the truth. So on my, one of my notes is asking you guys for clarity. Ooh.
2: Yes, I, I am ready <laughs> for this.
0: I, I'm lost. I'm so lost with who he is and how he fits in.
2: So um, uh, obviously going back in the Clone Wars. His mother, Senator from Onderon, and we meet him uh, when he's on Raxus. Uh, uh, Him and Ahsoka kind of argue a lot, and then they go from frenemies uh, to almost like a love interest kind of in um, uh, the episode with the Mandalorians where they're uh, on the planet and he's trying to give them information and he starts not liking the Mandalorian's tactics, which is the first red flag, but that he doesn't like terroristic tactics. And then the second, Mm -hmm. the next time we see him is when the whole Onderon arc in season five, when he's that the most we see of him, it's quite a bit. And it's uh, with him, uh, and Stila Guerrera and Saw Guerrera. And you realize that the only thing really keeping him around is his love for Stila because he loves Stila and therefore still stays loyal to Saw despite their many, many problems that they have with each other. And so that's where he has the connection to Saw and then continues to be with uh, part of Saw's group up mm-hmm. until now. Now you talk about the the, he has the goddaughter which is separate. And then he has his daughter. She Gold, Christy golden was very specific in not revealing much about his daughter or his, his wife mm-hmm. or anything. And I think yeah, that's because they basically Lucas is like, we have that coming. It's been four years, <laughs> but still they were like, that is, there, there are certain things we don't talk about. We don't talk about the Bothans. Um. Uh, we don't talk about uh, where's Jar Jar we don't talk about any of that stuff We there, there are certain topics we can't we're not allowed to cover and this is one of them because I don't know if they know but I know that they don't want to release anything and right. you were n- mentioning this earlier Nathan I don't know if they're, Ahsoka's part of that love stuff
1: or not it's, it's possible probably not probably not probably not Yeah, Because, I mean, Ahsoka's not the type, but I don't think, I I mean, there was some, obviously, chemistry, but it was like, it was more along the lines of, you know, they're just working towards a common goal, and she was very helpful, as as Ahsoka tends to be, Mm. and, you know, she was interested in it. They they had conversations that were, like, political and ideological, you know. She gets to, you know, she gets to pick his brain and and he, well, he basically just is the type to just tell what he thinks, you know.
2: Before we um uh, we had the canon, back in, you know, 2012, 2013, after the Clone Wars was done, we weren't getting any more. In my head canon, I was always envisioning coming up with ideas for stories. And one of the stories I had was that after Order 66, Ahsoka went to Lux on or Aldera- uh, on Onderon, sorry, on Onderon and basically tried to lay low for a while and built up with Saw uh, a kind of rebellion. Uh, I was obviously wrong, but she does lay low and she does form uh, help form a rebellion but not with Saw and not on Onderon. But still I would love to see mm. them reconnect in some way and it, there's ample ma- material for that. Before we get into theories, I, I was going to say, you know, with the, 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 the Dreamers, we see them <clears throat> commit a lot of violence and uh, mm-hmm. have their, their missions, and you see them go to very much extremes. And what did you think? Do you think that it was believable that the, the uh, Inferno squad would go along with all that, or would you have thought they would have pulled back more? Trent or me? Yeah,
1: uh, Trent.
0: Uh, so I I feel feel like they would have gone along with it. I mm-hmm. mean, it seems like, at least what we're introduced to is they're willing to do anything to accomplish the mission, yeah. um, and so that felt believable to me. I, I think the part that probably didn't feel the most believable to me was the, um, and again, this you, I, I feel myself arguing against myself in this <laughs> is the is the dreamers or the partisans. Um, Allowing them to participate as much as they did yeah. as soon as they did. Mm-hmm. I know they kind of like they try like uh, Christy's trying to like when she's writing it, she tries to stretch out that length of time, and it's really hard to do that mm-hmm. in terms of how trust is built but um, but uh, the thing that I argue against that in myself is each of these characters are so wrapped up in their own like. Uh, personal pursuits, like protecting their daughter or yeah. stepdaughter or whatever, mm-hmm. or protecting their cause, like they're so wrapped up in themselves that they don't really realize the infiltration that's happening in front of them. So it's an argument that can be made, and it's enough for me <clears> to <throat> just like gloss over it, I guess, yeah. and then try to enjoy the book. So it
2: reminded me of those old, you know, movies where you know the policeman has to go undercover and join the gang yeah. and has to uh, uh, to shoot the the gang member to prove his his loyalty to the gang or something like that. Um uh mm. Nathan did, did you yeah. have any thoughts on that?
1: They're desperate for loyal, useful recruits mm-hmm. and each of them I mean gosh, they're the, they're the Inferno squad, so they're all like ridiculously talented. Yeah. Their their goal really is to not show what they can really do mm-hmm. and just show barely enough that they'll be like, "Oh, this is useful." I mean, sin lies about how many languages she speaks. Yeah. You know, for a long time, Gideon has to hide his real pilot skills, where yeah. he has to almost beg to show his pilot skills. Yeah, exactly. And then mm-hmm. finally, you know, and Del Miko obviously doesn't really show his level of, of droid hacking. He just shows that he's very handy with engineering and repairs and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <clears throat> in fact, Aiden... Being the only person who doesn't have to really hide her skill set, yeah. <laughs> but her her difficulty is that they don't trust her enough to really use her skill set, yeah. and so she's being constantly followed, and obviously has the most difficulty getting them to trust her.
0: But and she has to she has to use the skill set that she's not comfortable with at all, which is public speaking. Yeah, that's the one mm. which is interesting.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, that is I a did, good point. I remember that.
0: I did enjoy the
2: scenes with her and the mentor and him, like teaching her how to, to, to speak into a microphone, teaching her to, to fill up a room. It re- reminded me of, you know, being in part of the musicals and we'd bring in these people, you know, trying to get us to project uh, all those lung, lung diaphragms, exercises they would have us do. I have flashbacks. Um, uh, but those, those scenes of her, you know, working with a mentor, and I think that those scenes work out well so at the end of the book... When they leave it up in the air, did she kill the mentor or not? You actually wonder, because she did build such a rapport with, the, with Lux throughout the whole novel. They took a long time. Like, they could have done more action stuff. And obviously, as we have talked about earlier, action's not Chrissy Golden's strong suit. So instead, she focused on the little scenes of them talking. And mm-hmm. so got, got their relationship yeah. really tight. So and that, that was believable. in the...
1: Wasn't that in the epilogue? Where you didn't... You, you're you led to believe that, yes, she did kill them. Yeah. Land. And then the epilogue makes you question, yes. and you're like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. maybe she didn't. Yeah. Um, you know what I thought the strongest... There was there were some really strong scenes, but one of the strongest scenes for me is when Aiden finally convinces Staven that she is on board. Yeah. That scene, when it builds to... And <clears throat> what you really see here is, I think... Something—it's a well-done version of the General Hux hates Kylo thing.
2: Yes, yes, (laughs) it's a Mm.
1: really well-executed version because I didn't dig so deep in that moment when she's being asked to come up with something to convince him. She digs deep and she finds the truth—a truth she doesn't even realize (laughs) yet about herself. She she buys in at that moment to the lie and commits to it, but it's not a lie. Yeah, and that's what it's not a lie. In that she hates her father. Yeah, and that's Mm -hmm. with with anything she can possibly do, nothing matters as much as she wants to stick it to him.
0: You know, (laughs) she wants
1: to. That's what. That's what matters. And obviously, you know, we don't see the end result of that until the game Mm -hmm. later on, but man, if it isn't great for her to have those things and not realize that, that that it was so real because that's what she really believes and what she felt.
2: Oh, yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. That scene was really good. <clears throat> High
1: point of the novel for me.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There are several of those. D-
0: so, there, so I will say that I, I re-downloaded Battlefront 2 actually this weekend, or actually a couple <laughs> days ago, to play it. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And I'll, I'll make some comments on that, about that in a second. But it's interesting. You know, that, that whole every good lie has some truth in it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, mm-hmm. From the opposite perspective, she pretty much watched her father lie to Vardos about his uh, passion for the planet, especially with the trees. Yeah. You know, like he... Oh, they, yeah, they got, when the Empire was, like, invad- in the game? Well, like, in the book, they, there's a there's a specific detail about. Mm-hmm. About, about how, like, he was like, we need to preserve these trees because it's part of the culture of the planet, but it plays into the loyalty of the Empire. And you know like when i read that i was like man that's believable that is that seems like he intentionally wanted to protect something from his home world to preserve it but really it feels like he found a truth in a lie which is his tr- his truth that he is loyal to the empire but he was able to convince the people of Vardos to be loyal to the empire as well through that. So I, it's, it, it, I know that it's kind of layered there, but it seems like Iden watched that and le- essentially learned how to lie from her father to the point where she also starts to believe her lie. And then through this book, you see these seeds planted that come to fruition later. Yeah. You know, so. And then anyway, sorry, he, it's, it's he, a little he gives her, there. He
2: gives her all the all the tools she need. She needs to kill him. So. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. A big bring his downfall. <laughs> so, uh, it's like kind of kind of like the revert, ruler too
1: a little bit. Um, uh,
0: yeah, true Sith there. So
1: I let's yeah. let's go back for a second yeah. and talk about um, Azen. Yeah. The, um, oh, yes. So yeah. this was like a this was an X factor that obviously Admiral could not have known that within the camp of the Dreamers would already be somebody that was an ex-Imperial. Yeah. Who was looking looking for a way to get back into good graces of the Empire. And, you know, for them to have to figure out that it was him and then find a way to deal with him. Uh, man, that whole situation. Um, so, Jonathan, like, talk about it in terms of is it was was that the only option? And did you at any point you think, well, maybe they can just talk to him and say we're like yeah. siding with the Empire. Yeah, almost they're, like they're, at any point where are like, he's on our side. We should be able to, like, figure this out.
2: This is also <laughs> a trope in uh, in that type of cop storytelling where there's another cop that's embedded, and you don't know that the that, that cop is part of it, and he doesn't uh, know that you're a part mm-hmm. of it, things like that. That's, that's a very common trope in these types of stories. I'll say this. My biggest critique is I do not like when stories go very, very dark. Even in a book like this where it was necessary, mm-hmm. I just don't like reading that. It's just not, not something I enjoy. And I don't fault Christy Golden for going there. I just don't like it. So when they deal with that character... And they go into the descriptions of where the bodies are and how they're all strewn out and in the cave and stuff like that. I was just like, ugh, that's, that's not my jam. And then when we had the same thing happen to Sen, when she's tortured, I was just like, oh, this is. I, I, I do not like ri- reading this. Like, it was well done, but it was just like, ugh, I. I do not like this type of stuff. This this book goes very dark very fast in that, you know, couple of chapter period from when they start suspecting him to Sen's death. And you see it from Aiden's perspective and she doesn't do anything about really either of them. She kind of essentially forces uh, them to, to take away uh Azen, I forgot his name, and and you know, does nothing to save Sen and I was like, "Ooh, that makes her like she's not irredeemable because no character in Star Wars is irredeemable. But I was like, oh, I don't know about that.
0: Yeah, I I had similar, um like I don't know this squirmishness. It wasn't yeah. necessarily squirmishness. I guess it's just like, um, and 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 I, I do felt I, I find myself sort of on the um, same side but opposite. Field, I guess, I don't know what analogy works there, where I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mind reading dark stuff. And that's actually something I really enjoy about Star Wars. When they do the see the underbelly of Star Wars, I always tend to enjoy that, like the mercenaries and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it has to come through the filter of Disney because they're not yeah. going to do anything too, too dark. Um, <laughs> well, but, hey,
2: I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that there was a book released by Disney that was Rebel no. Rising, the darkest book in Star Wars I've ever read. And it's aimed at teenagers. It's aimed at like age like twelve to eighteen. And that book just goes like super in depth in the dark gruesomeness of Saw's group. And okay. it oh. is and it is and it is like oh. and it has not only Disney, like it has Disney's name on the publisher of it. So <laughs> Yeah.
0: That's going to the top of my list then um, <laughs> so here yeah. here is here is like my thoughts about the book in terms of the the dark tones of this book. Yeah first you know they're, they do I think she does a really good job with Sin's um, undercover slave background story mm-hmm. because later we're introduced to a Twilight that's named Diana I think or Diane mm-hmm. and they allude to almost sexual abuse without yeah. using the word sexual abuse mm-hmm. and I thought that was really tasteful like you know obviously I know it's Disney so you're not going to get too in depth in terms of human trafficking with sexual nature behind it but like it, I thought it was I thought it was well done um to a point, and then so then on this in a, in a similar vein, it's weird. I feel like there was a missed opportunity with Azen. Mm-hmm. So, so Azen was taken away for seven hours of torture. Yeah, uh, before he died, and the missed opportunity is specifically what information did they get from him, yeah. and then what did they do with that information after seven hours of torture? So to me, it's like if you're going to go dark, go dark. If you're not going to go dark, just avoid it altogether and like,
1: you know, similar you. to
0: how sin was stabbed and not tortured, which was kind of a mercy killing. You know, like do something similar where you try to vouch for this person. Yeah. Similar to the stormtrooper, you know, like um, that was that was on the brink of dying and they they threw them to the quote unquote crunchers. Right. Um, and so and to your point, Jonathan, about the crunch, the crunchers, I, I wonder and this was hard. It's hard to make this. I don't. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to go back and reread the book. But at the at the very end, when they talked about the ro- the, the stone robots, you know, taking yeah. the dead away, mm-hmm. I wonder if their crunchers actually didn't exist, or if they didn't actually eat the bodies. If the crunchers were just like animals on the planet that they assumed ate the bodies yeah. because the robots would come out and take the bodies away. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That got confusing. But anyway, sorry. That that, rant, rant
2: that, that would be an interesting uh, idea of it. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to ask, to yeah. find out. But we're probably not. A lot of things like planets like that 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 show up. I don't even remember what the planet was called. But that's not. It, it might show up later. But it showing up later is not going to be dependent on it showing up here. It's 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 not one of those things where if you don't remember, you're you're going to be lost. They're, they'll yeah. just introduce it again.
1: Well, so. visually, how would you do that in a visual media? It w- Wasn't it like a planet that was perpetual darkness yeah. with very, very, very little light? Mm-hmm. So with all of the weird things we're given, obviously, like a planet that's already so alien to us is mm-hmm. probably going to have some really weird, you know, I get it. I get it. But it was so bizarre yep. that for Star Wars, it felt like it was a little bit more... I don't know out there. The
2: uh, uh, and so you're saying that uh, this whole planet was in uh, that episode of Game of Thrones season eight, where it was just like completely darkness.
0: Yes, <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> I, I do have a point about the location, the planet. <laughs> um, so one of the, the characteristics of it is that it can't transmute like radio waves because of mm-hmm. the way the stones or something work. Yeah. and then also it's kind of perpetual twilight. It's very. It's a very time time pass is different, which yeah. is what we're told, mm-hmm. and. You know, like, it, when I was originally introduced to that, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Of course, there would be planets like that, I guess, when you expand the universe. But um, specifically in terms of location and, and the details being important to the storytelling, mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting thing. I don't know if she intended that. But here, here's a slower-paced planet where time passes slowly, and and we're fo- focusing more on the relationships of these people, yeah. less about the action. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that was intentional with her or not, but I thought that was a, a good fit.
2: Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure mm-hmm. it was intentional. And um, one of the biggest criticisms I saw on Goodreads and on Amazon because I go through and reread all the uh, a lot of the reviews, not all of them. And the biggest criticism of this book was: This is called Battlefront. Where's all the battles? <laughs> there were were some reviews where that was it that was the only thing they said, they didn't say anything else they liked or disliked, there was the whole review and I was like, first of all, you guys are bad at reviewing if that's all you're going to say on there second of all, (laughs) this is not a novel full of Battlefronts, this is a novel that connects to the Battlefront game, and thus Mm -hmm. it's talking about the characters and the mood and the tone, and I felt I don't know about you guys, I thought the tone matched specifically the first half of the game like before Iden turns this tone of this book
0: feels like a natural outflow so yeah. um, in the game, so I went back and played the game the yeah. first character you play in the game is the robot yeah, like, mm-hmm. so you see the cutscenes, and that's cool, but then the first character you actually get to control yeah. is, is Ideo or ID, Ido or whatever his mm-hmm. name is ID10 um, and that's really cool because he's a big character in the book and you get to I don't know. So, taking that, forgetting that I played the game, you know, however long ago, Mm -hmm. and now just pretending that I I read the book first and then playing the game, it was really, really good. And I felt like it fit really well. And so, it feels like a lot of the people who maybe have left those reviews probably only had the perspective of the game first and were not open minded. Yeah. And,
2: um, uh, you know, <clears throat> talking about the difference between the game and the book and things like that, one of the interesting things about this was they had the EA game footage of the game come out before the book. Like when they did their you know their conventions and stuff. I, what's what's it called? E three or something like that. Um, one of yeah, one the movie of the conventions. yeah. And mm-hmm. at that convention, <laughs> they they introduced the characters in the game. One character that was obviously not in the game was Sen. And so a lot of people started. They this thankfully did not become mainstream in the fandom, but the super fans basically figured out. Oh, Sen's gonna die, isn't she? Because she, or, or she's gonna join, actually join the rebels. Because there's no way she's still part of the squad because they didn't even make a design for the character in the game. And so that's part of the problem. Is after after playing the game, I knew going back into this. Oh yeah, she's gonna,
0: she's gonna die. Mm-hmm. So the only visual we have is like her on the cover Yeah, on the cover. You have
2: this very little, she almost looks like Sabine to me. Uh, I don't know. Uh,
0: so Hmm. which uh, has its own connections that I won't dive (laughs) into. I enjoy enjoy the character of Sabine a lot. And with Aiden's mom being an artist. Yeah. Um, so Nathan, Hmm. you mentioned, you mentioned your highlight of the book or one of your highlights that you like Mm -hmm. stood out to you. And I, I just wanted to say, since we're talking about sin, um, not the biblical sin <laughs> kind of parody. S E Y N. Yeah. S E Y N. Yeah. I think the the most genius piece of writing in this book is, uh, specifically involving sin and her argument with Iden about the trauma that she encountered. Cause she's yeah. a young Imperial officer. Mm-hmm. And so when she encountered the, the trauma from the mission that she did, that, where she was going to blow up essentially a, a school or a university yeah. of, of young people. Mm-hmm. So if you're paying attention at home, it's specifically on page 309. I went back and and wrote this down. So sin has an eidetic memory, which means it's it's so vivid to her. The first time she sees it, it's just she can she can relive that memory as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so, Iden, I won't read it word for word, but it's again on page 309. Iden's like, oh yeah, I know how it is. You know, you remember some some trauma, and she's like, no, 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 shut up. You do not know (laughs) my pain because. You guys will be calloused and dulled over time. You'll remember it, but it won't be as vivid for you as it will be for me. The looks on these faces, the people's death, the kiss that I experienced with uh, what, whatever the guy's name is. Sidori. Um, Sidori. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's going to be with me as vivid as it was the day it happened until the day I die, which mm-hmm. is not very long, admittedly. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah. that so it's not yeah. just the eidetic memory because if she had an eidetic memory and was a sociopath it wouldn't matter <laughs> she had an eidetic memory and she was empathetic she had so much empathy for the yeah. people that were around her that it just weighed heavy on her and <clears throat> it's really hard for that character to survive you know <laughs> in the setting so mm-hmm. anyway yeah. I thought that was a great piece of writing
1: I agree I thought that was a, a there great was scene. ideology like at play all of the yeah. you get to really dive into it and we ask the question like. Um, what would what would Iden have done? Would she have delayed the bomb to save these Imperial um, students, Academy students? You know, yeah. would, Gideon, would Gideon have? Absolutely not. Um, no,
0: yeah, definitely. Iden,
1: Gideon. maybe.
2: Delmico Del would have. Oh, yeah.
1: What would he have done? You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and looking at it from the perspective of, um, I think all of us would agree on this. The rebels. Would never employ a tactic like that. No. Never. No. Never. Would the Empire? Absolutely. But they would cover it up. Oh, yeah. You never know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But they would cover it up. And they would do the same thing. I mean, they blew up Alderaan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> how many students were on Alderaan? You know, they obviously don't care.
0: <laughs> Just a few. A so,
1: <laughs> But how do they do that? They... Dehumanize these people Mm, And you see You see this argument Made at the beginning Of the book When Aiden starts To make the argument That you know The Death Star We lost a million people Well What about all these Innocents on Alderaan You know Everybody on the Death Star Was a soldier Or you know, I don't Winston know. There was, that,
2: there was that. There uh, was that. That guy who was cleaning the cleaning the stalls. He had just gotten the mortgage papers. Come <laughs> on, man. He had just he had just gotten the dental plan. I mean, the poor guy. He was just he was <laughs> just hired for a small job.
1: And the the two stormtroopers in their stormtrooper wedding that were in you you know, uh, don't, blue, harvest, don't You know, <laughs> 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 you
0: know. It's a nice day for a white wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I know we just went all off the, <laughs> of the jokes here, Jonathan. But but you take a serious look at everything that Iden says, and this is another case of her speaking truth and things that we as a reader are like, yep, yep, yep. But then everyone around her is like, what are you talking about? Those aren't humans. Those are, you know, that's yeah. not even the same thing. Like these imperial lives versus billions, really, of Alderaanian lives that were lost, you know, and a whole planet. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway... You're just you're just taking a look at the ideology, and you start to wonder how much is going through their heads. Like how much, as as far as the Inferno squads and their loyalty, how much introspection and reflection is done as they do these things as a part of the dreamers that are very radical Mm -hmm. and terroristic. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, we get to that point with the mentor later on where. Iden has come to that point, the mentor has come to that point, and when it's later revealed maybe she didn't kill him, mm-hmm. then we get our answer of, I think Aiden has already gone through significant change, um, but Gideon has not, no. <laughs> and never, ha- never n- does, you know, he just wipes them out, wipes them out. Um, but that whole question being asked, and even the way that it's not asked, the way that you're left to wonder about the characters as you read is really well done in the book. And I like those questions being asked because I'm, I'm left to think about and theorize for myself and wonder, do I know these characters well enough to figure out what they would do and how they would react? Um, and that's just a sign of, of good character writing.
2: Yeah. One of the, one of the biggest criticisms I've seen from a lot of critics of the, a new hope and of um, uh, force awakens is that you don't really get to know any of the people. Or, like, when the when Alderaan or Hosnian Prime are destroyed, you you really don't get to know who's on there. You don't even know about Bail Organa, really, because um, uh, they never even mention his name. They say her father, uh, but they don't really go into any detail. So you don't know anyone on Alderaan, really, when it blows up. You just see the, uh, the basketball in space. But... Um, mm-hmm. Kevin J. Anderson, who wrote for Star Wars back in the '90s, uh, has said that he wants he wants them to go back and do "It's a Wonderful Life" on Alderaan, where Leia gets to go back and see the the lives of everyone just before the explosion, and it really would humanize the deaths on Alderaan. And we got that a mm-hmm. little bit in fact. Trees of green. <laughs> uh, <laughs> da, 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 da. No, not not.
1: Da, 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 what's that in the sky? No. What's that green laser? And, and I speak to myself,
2: no, not boom. No, not And that's that. how it ends. This <laughs> is not, not how it ends. But anyway, but I, I, I think that this. Seriously? Book,
1: you don't think it would end that way? I think it would end just like that. No. It's just a big explosion. Till death or die an explosion, do you part if yeah, michael, if michael, if, if, if if michael bay mine, was we're even now if, okay, if michael bay back. was
2: uh was directing the movie on
1: that um <laughs> if just imagine if joss whedon had written uh. this book and like every serious <laughs> moment was undercut with like a, a a dick joke or something that he had to throw in there <laughs> avengers style you know <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like thanks joss thanks Okay, moving on.
2: That that, that comment wasn't loaded at all. Um, uh, Anyway, so uh, this book does that kind of humanizing of seeing who the victims are of these kind of terroristic actions or when you kill innocents. Like, sometimes when you kill innocents in in storytelling, you feel bad, but you don't really feel anything. This book goes a long way to make you feel for the characters, especially since it's children especially yeah. since it's not just children are going to be in the building. They're going to be
0: right there, right at the epicenter of the bomb. The girl, the girl with the chocolate yeah. specifically. It's like, it's so vivid sin. Just mm. not, not it, like again, going back to the idyllic memory thing, not just in that moment, which sin's like, no, 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 you enjoy the chocolate. <clears> Cause sin in her mind is wrestling with, am I going to kill this innocent young girl who is just enjoying a simple life pleasure of chocolate? And you know, she's, she's, she, she still has the choices ahead of her to choose right or wrong. Yeah. Am I going to take that choice from her? That that level. I mean, I'm I'm, try, I'm struggling to to put myself in Sin's empathetic shoes of like you have to not just experience that in the moment, the freshness, but even when you're setting the droid to five minutes or fifteen minutes, you have mm-hmm. to make that choice. And it makes sense. And it's just a it's a great piece of writing. And it it surprised me because Sin's um, talents early in the book are, are set up as eidetic memory and she's loyal to the Empire. So when she has that revelation of pain and empathy in the world, mm-hmm. it's like, it's it just, I don't know, it struck me like a, just a knife through the heart. I was like, yeah. oh no, now I'm crying. <laughs> this
2: is what Christy Golden does best, is mm-hmm. those type of, oh, the tr- she does tragedy so yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, this is not her best her her best iteration of it. Her best book that I've read overall is her novelization of Dark Disciple. Um, uh, but that uh, the she does do in all her books tragedy. Just excellent. Hey,
0: I, he's, yeah. he's
2: showing me the book. I am very excited. Yeah, about I it. went ahead and got it.
0: <laughs> I got. I went ahead and, and got the book because I was uh, excited about not only the, the character of, of Quinlan Boss, but obviously mm. the author has impressed me. So yeah,
2: well that's good. Mm. So speaking of. Uh, being, do you guys have any more criticisms or anything else before we get to final rankings?
0: Mm, I, uh, no, I think we covered all of mine. Just in terms of like you know,
1: yeah. um, the biggest moment we didn't really talk about was at the end. We alluded to it, but with Iden's father at yeah. the end when she's brought back, I, I the, the you know the line that hit me was when you know Iden's talking to her dad and. She finds out that her mom passed away, and she says, you know, my mom died thinking I was a traitor, and we see a glimpse of humanity we've never seen from Garrick Versio. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the only shred of any any humanity at all that yeah. we ever see from him in the game or the book, period. Yeah. There's nothing else. Is that he just says, no, she didn't. Mm-hmm. And mm. at that moment, we're like, if he hadn't done that, I think... Iden has already written yeah. him off. Yeah. But he wins her back for a little bit longer little with bit. that line.
0: Mm-hmm. I kind of think I,
1: that's what kept her in the Empire.
0: Do you? So, in light of that, do you think that? So, obviously, like the good in me wants to believe there's good in him. But do you think he did that as a tactical decision? Oh to, yeah.
2: Mm. To, I, to, I, mani-
0: to manipulate her. Was he lying? Well, no, not lying. Well, although that's a yeah, good point, I yeah. didn't even consider it a lie. But are, like, do you think that either a lie or if it was true, do you think he told his his ex wife the actual truth in order to just manipulate Iden further, or was he just good of heart? No, I just
2: think. Oh, I think he was. I think he was lying to Iden. I think he was just trying to to reassure because yeah. how's she gonna know? she can't talk to her mom? Her mom's dead, so there's no yeah. proof.
0: I guess that's a, that's a good, oh, that's a, I, we'll never, we'll never I, know. See, <clears throat> I
1: went, I went Because it years. says more about him, though. It says yeah. more about Garrick than it does about anything else. Because you're right, at that point, what it says is that he is willing to r- claim that he broke protocol, even for mm-hmm. her, to break, he's the rule guy. He yeah. already said, we can't tell mom. Mm-hmm. But he was willing to break it for his daughter because what matters is, you know, hey, I actually do love you. Yeah. I, you know, deep down, there is some kind of parental bond that I have. With, that's that's what I feel like is the importance yeah. there. And maybe it was a lie, but I think it wasn't. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's more likely, you know, I, I you know. think I think but it, it wasn't
2: be. a lie, but I went four years misremembering that scene when I read it. I don't know what I may have skipped a word or something, but I read it as him. Tell I remembered it as him telling her her mom never knew. And so I've always, you know, thought about seeing how he was like, that. Yeah, he's just cruel. And then I reread it. I was like, no, wait, no, wait, he's not. He did tell her. So <laughs> that mm-hmm. was a, 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 a I was I uh, that was a fun. It's a pretty time. big mistake. That, that you is did. a pretty big mistake. So when you, t- you were texting me, Nathan, I hadn't finished the book um, when you initially texted me about that scene. And so I was like, wait mm-hmm. a second. I don't remember it that
1: way, and so what did like you a, have to go back and look? I, did. <laughs> oh, I got you.
0: It's well, and like it, and maybe this is this is obviously over analyzing it, yeah. but, look, but I, I keep I keep spinning on this because I want to side with Nathan being hopeful, but yeah. then I also think, well, there's a good chance that the Dad- <laughs> Admiral would have said to himself, you know, there's a there's the the best lies have truth in them, so I don't even know what my own truth is anymore. I don't even know if I love my own daughter. I just know that. If I do this, if I tell her before she dies, it will give me an advantage later in a conversation. And like, so he, there's a possibility yeah. that he doesn't even know why he's doing it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Because he's just so back and forth on, I need to create a good lie with a good truth. Or I actually love my daughter and I care about her well-being. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. it's just confusing for me now.
1: That
2: is, that is <laughs> it, a good point. His, his motives
1: I'm not are now clouded. So like, I'm not from a military family. I don't know if. Jonathan has, but I would assume like in the most hardcore of all military families, they probably relate to that a lot more closely. Mm. Yeah. Um, And certainly within like extremist militaries, which the Empire's not extremist on the surface, but with someone of his rank, he knows all the dirty secrets of the Empire, Mm -hmm. so he is, you know. um, And Aiden is nearing that point. Certainly she knows uh, enough even I think in, in the beginning of the um, doesn't it, at the beginning of the game or not the game but at the of the book when she has her raise her rank raised to captain yeah he just is frank with her about certain things and mm-hmm. he's just like on the table mm-hmm. and it's made to be a bigger deal that he's able to just tell her straight out what he really thinks
2: oh yeah um, he's, yeah the, the the rank just like totally like his tonal shift is is quite abrupt was there.
1: Was there any of the characters that y'all liked that we hadn't talked about? Um, I know there was, like, Pie
0: cow and, and Gal was close buddies with him. Mm-hmm. I liked I cow liked or P- P- Pico, or however yeah, you say Pico. his name, I can't remember. The,
2: that, that character is a uh, Chandra fan, and they are all over Legends. And this was, like, the, one of the very few instances of canon. And so, like, you know, the hardcore Legends-only people, or, or, or real hardcore Legends fans, they loved seeing this because it was... You know, it's very rare to see them in anymore in canon.
0: P. Cal is how Aiden, or yeah. the... the actress. Yeah. Yeah, that's how P. Uh I, I enjoyed the detail about his speeder, like, being, a, like, a sw- like, swaddling a tiny little baby, essentially. Yeah. Because <laughs> of, of his size. I, yeah, I did enjoy that character a lot, because he seemed... He he was more into the, you know, the engineering, very similar to uh, Del Mico. Like, it was just like it was almost like oh man I wish we weren't fighting this big galactic war because I really want to learn <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so the the ending scene too um, with the parallel that they have the drink above mm-hmm. the, they're aboard the Corvus yeah um, and Del Mico is able to recite the same crazy you know toast that Sin mm. had made a, on mm-hmm. their first meeting yeah um, it was just another another character moment showing you like, Del Mico is not at all your typical Imperial. No. And he is he is not where he belongs. The fact that he remembers this and the fact that Aiden, at this point, also is feeling a bit of empathy by by the moment and thinks, oh, man, this was this is significant and good. And Gideon just doesn't care. <laughs> He's yeah. just like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know.
0: Well, um, you're, you reminded me of something else, Nathan, speaking of rhyming. Uh, beginning early in the game, or book, sorry, early in the book, Azen, who's the wild card, who who is the one that um, acquisitions Iden from Vardos, mm-hmm. his his gun was set on kill, essentially. And she asked him, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. It should be on stun. Because he, he kind of plays fast and loose. Yeah. Whereas Iden is very specific with everything she does. And so later, after her encounter with Lux, we don't know what happens. We assume she killed him. Somebody mentions... Uh, I think it's Miko, Like, oh, is your blaster set on stun? That's interesting. And she's like, yeah, I guess it is. She, and so she, it's like she intentionally had it on stun with that scenario with uh, Lux. Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. I, th- so again, the rhyming between not only the toast, but the like even that moment with the stun mm-hmm. blaster,
2: and, and the fact that they put it that late in the book, the like if if it was something where. Lucasfilm said hey can you put it on stun because we don't want to rule out our options with Lux Mm. can you put it on stun instead of kill she could have just done that in the scene yeah but the fact that they specifically took the time at the end where a character notices and Iden kind of brushes it off Mm -hmm. that tells me no it's purposeful he's coming back they're not just keeping their Mm -hmm. options open he's coming back at some point that might be ten mm. years from now. I don't think it's gonna be that long. I think it'll only be a couple more years, but you know, he, he will come back eventually.
0: Yeah. That was in the epilogue specifically. Yeah. Like if mm-hmm. the, I don't know very many people that stop reading at the last chapter and don't read the epilogue, mm. but uh, Every- it was the, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It mm-hmm. was very intentional. Which gets usually me
1: in in my experience with Star Wars books, like the epilogue does not have like that much of a relevant reveal mm-hmm. to the story itself it's more mm. wrapping things up in a in the way. canon but
2: that, yes but in legends epilogues were quite often the big like post credits the scene. after credits yes, Thanos that, reveal yeah that oh, that that was yeah. the thing but then again the books were the driving force back in legends so yep. in canon they really uh, it, the books nec- aren't necessarily the driving force so the type of shocking reveal at the end really isn't necessary they leave that for the other shows and stuff So, but Uh,
0: go ahead. Oh, the last thing I'll say, because I played the game, I played the first, like, couple hours of the game Mm -hmm. after reading the book. It was really cool. There were certain things I appreciated more, like, Mm -hmm. especially playing on easy mode, which I did. (laughs) I I, I felt, (laughs) I felt how, like, uh, well-trained the team was and Item was, because she was, you know, headshotting everybody and the droid was really well-programmed and all that kind of thing. Um, but, but there's a specific moment when you're flying the TIE fighter. Obviously, I'm doing it really well because I'm a well-trained Versio. <laughs> um, but she says, she says, rebellions are built on hate. Someone told me that once, and I've never forgot it, which is a quote from the book of, what's his name? I, can't, I forget all their names. But the... the Stavin. Staven? Staven, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Staven is the one that told her that. And it's, yeah. you know, when you play the game, if you don't read the book, you don't know what that's referencing, and you really don't even care. You're here to blow stuff up. Uh, but I But I will say it was really cool to play those first a few hours of the games of the game again, after reading the book. So, uh, mm-hmm. just wanted to point out that that's, I, I, I see what you're saying, Jonathan, about
1: mm-hmm. they're
0: very intentional about the order they release things. And the next time that something like this happens, I will try to consume it in the order they release it. If yeah. like I can remember, just because <laughs> they have convinced me to do so with this. So. Well,
2: that's, that's very good. I'm, I'm very happy. That's how I felt with catalyst catalyst, is an amazing book. It is a prequel to Rogue One. And I think it's the best example of media tie-in fiction ever. It just it mm. ties in so well to Rogue One to the point that I know people who disliked Rogue One and then read Catalyst and were like, "If I had, they they still disliked Rogue One, but they're like if I had seen Rogue One, bef- after I'd read Catalyst initially, I might have enjoyed it more because it made the movie so much better because they." let them explain so much and that's mm. how sometimes games work this isn't quite that Im- that important like this is a excellent media tie-in novel because christy golden's one of the best and that's that's why she won the faust award because she does this really well and so they keep paying her for it but yeah, i don't think it's the best example of it mm. so that gets us to rankings and ratings we mm. always do this everyone should be familiar with our 10 point scale nathan why don't you go first?
1: Okay, so if I recall, like I I loved um Thrawn Treason. Yeah. I gave mm-hmm. it like a nine point seven yeah. or something <laughs> like that. Seven or eight. It was amazing. There was hardly anything to complain about. And Thrawn, the first novel in the in the Canon series, mm-hmm. I loved as well. I think I gave that a nine or a nine and a half I, somewhere yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. But th- I feel like this one is the best. I could compare it to Thrawn Alliances. With The second book in the series was overall weaker than this, although I think that had stronger sections in the middle. But this book was a lot more fluid throughout. Yeah. Everything was wrapped up and planned better. So I think I gave that one like a six or six and a half maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that's right, Jonathan? Yeah, that's,
2: that's about right. You gave about a six or six and a half.
1: So I'm going to give this a I'm going to give this book a seven Hmm. out of ten Um, a little bit better than that, because overall it was good. I I already said that, like, the characters I thought were really well done. And I really feel like the character of Aiden is somebody that I'm a fan of now. And I've always loved Delamico because he's just the best. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yep. um, and, And you love to hate Gideon. Uh, so, so yeah, I I would give it based off of all of those factors, and we've already d- discussed the high points and the weak points. It delivered for me an experience that I thought was a seven out of ten.
2: That's very good. What about you, Trent?
0: So obviously, this is the best Star Wars book I've ever read. <laughs> it's also the worst. Uh, it's also the worst. So <laughs> taking into account that weighted factor, there, uh, it's Star Wars, which I love. Um, there's also something to be said about. The difficulty of taking a known IP and, and then trying to graft in new characters and tying them in, that's, that's a real big difficulty that I really respect in Christy Golden, specifically the character of Sin. I know that I've already said that that was my highlight of the book, yeah. but I, that scene specifically kind of sealed the deal of like how much I like this book. Um, so taking all, all the weights into, into account, I would say it's an 8 out of 10 for me. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a good good read, and I would definitely recommend this to anybody who's a Star Wars fan. And if you're not, if you're just somebody who likes to consume books like it's oxygen, I would definitely recommend reading <laughs> this book. Yeah,
2: I would agree. Uh, I I I gave it when I was doing my my rating on Goodreads. I said eight point four. I think I've softened a little bit. I'd say now I'm thinking more 8.0. But I still. But then maybe that's because it's, I've had more time with it again. Um, but still, I I think eight eight and a half in that range. Very good. Um, uh, uh, One one more piece of fun trivia. I I shared with you guys the paperback uh, picture, which you already have the paperback, so you don't need the, the picture for it. On the back of the paperback, there are some quotes. Specifically, the first one says, wow, this book is a must read. Christy Golden just knocked it out of the park. And while I don't completely agree with the sentiments, the person that wrote that is a friend of mine, um, oh. Matthew Wilson. He runs the GeekSatic. It's a very small YouTube channel. It's like a thousand followers. He gets like a couple mm. hundred views on YouTube. But he and I here we're friends. We talk a lot. And so I was really exciting getting to see. And that's the only time he's ever gotten, you know, one of his reviews onto a book. And wow. so it's always exciting huh. to see small-time YouTubers or small-time reviewers get to get a blurb. Um, uh, that's because really they yeah, they usually re- leave that for you know your Kirkus reviews. They leave it for the big time reviewers to to get those blurbs. So it's always exciting. So I always want to say thank you to Lucasfilm for including that. Um, but and uh, shout out to the to the
0: Geeks Attic as well. Obviously, yeah, you know, of course, yeah. Bump there
2: and <laughs> Get all of our people. To, <laughs> probably <laughs> probably a lot of crossover. I would imagine if you're not um, already yet. Yeah. <laughs> The, um, uh, Our next topic, uh, Trent, uh, since you already have it, do you want to introduce what our next book topic is going to be?
0: Yes. So the book is uh, it, The Dark Disciple. Uh, and this is the one that specifically features a um, well, uh, a few characters, Quinlan Boss specifically, that I'm excited about. Uh, and it's also written by the same author, uh, Christy Golden, who I mean, I'm, I'm not going to shy from buying anything else that she's written, so.
2: I, I will hmm. say, much better book, uh, Dark Disciple. Really? Is. I was oh, about to ask goodness. you. Dark Disciple, for a while, it was my favorite canon book, but it's you know it's gone down because there are even better canon books, but it is oh, yes. so good. Thrawn. Because, yeah, but, okay. <laughs> Listen to this about Dark Disciple. It is an adaptation of eight episodes of The Clone Wars, that just never got aired because Mm -hmm. um, they they wrote the scripts and most of the scripts were written by Katie Lucas. Oh,
1: so she adapted the scripts into
2: a book. Yes, but she did. It's not just
1: your simple adaptation where she just... So Filoni was involved in the script writing and everything too. Oh, oh, absolutely. Filoni... Filoni, I'm going to love this. Oh, yeah. I'm going to love this. Filoni (laughs) and,
2: and Katie Lucas, the daughter of George Lucas, were the two head writers on this arc And they wrote all eight Mm -hmm. episodes, and they did the animatics for the first four episodes. And... They ne- decided, when they canceled The Clone Wars, they were like, we've already told this great story. When they adapted it to a book, they realized a lot of it wouldn't work in book format. So they specifically asked Christy Golden, hey, can you write new scenes, write all new stuff to to make it flow better? So it's not just a script, like, like it's not just like a book version of a, of a script. It's not like that. She changed a lot to make it work in book format. It is fantastic, and I cannot wait to discuss it. But...
0: Uh, I will warn you. I probably will consume that book faster than I did this one. Hey, I'm.
2: (laughs) We're okay with that. We are okay with that. And so, yeah, look for that review soon. Uh, We're all going to jump into that eventually. Uh, Nathan, I assume you'll probably do the audiobook with that one. I don't know who did the audiobook for that one. So Hmm. I'll have to find. I will
1: definitely have to look into it.
2: Um, uh, Maybe you can do that with your inevitable traveling. You will probably be doing
1: plenty of traveling.
2: Um, uh, Nathan, do you want to? tell people where to find us or do you not want to? Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh,
1: first of all, everybody go onto our Facebook page. Give us a like. Um, we put out new episodes every Sunday for right now. Um, please share those, you know, share them on Facebook with your friends. Listen. And uh, but you can also find us. Our main our main source is going to be on Simplecast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find us on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Um, and <clears throat> Uh, is there Stitcher po- Stitcher that's right yeah I Heart Radio,
2: Radio.com um, all those types of places
1: yeah thank you I tried you, you asked tried. me but I tried you put me on the spot and you that have all that stuff is memorized. why you failed <laughs> do or do not there is no try you're right so um yeah. so anyway uh thank you guys for listening to Two Sons of Tatooine um once again, I have been Nathan, aka Yankee Bro. I am Jonathan Cohn. And I'm Trent. And see you next time. <laughs> I was out of order.